0: Are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level? My name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of PreReal. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level.
1: This is the Pre-Real Podcast.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the show. We're joined today by David Perret. We have um, a real treat. David has a a remarkable story. He's the CEO from Military to Millionaire. Uh, He's the co-founder of the Real Estate War Room Mastermind. He is uh, clearly a a heck of a resourceful guy. He's got an amazing story, and, and I think some real value we'll be able to deliver to the audience today. David, thank you so much for joining us yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, where do you see the market heading? I'm, I'm curious to to speak to uh, investors from around the country and, and get an idea of if, if they're seeing what I'm seeing and, and um, you know where you think this ship is headed. so So with that, David, what, what do you see in the next
1: one, one to three years? Yeah, here's where I pull out my crystal ball. And if I'm if I'm wrong, we all forget this ever got said. And if I'm right, three years from now, I'm going to be on an infomercial saying the guy who predicted correctly. Um, I it's such a double edged sword, right? Because there's two main things going through my head. One is, oh my goodness, this is so hot, and everybody's decided real estate is the answer. So fundamentally. Now that the entire world knows about real estate, it's got to be at the peak. Like we've got to be at the top end of the market. It's too crazy. People know everything. Like everybody everywhere is talking about real estate. Like it's going to come down. It's got to happen, right? Like there's definitely that emotional side of the market. But then when I look at things analytically, it's like, well, inflation is historically pretty good for real estate values, right? They seem to hold okay. Inventory is ridiculously low everywhere, especially here. Like I'm listing a house on the market gone in two days in a market where normal, like, uh, so we listed a, a two, one, not like your ideal, like big family home, right? Like just a little rental two bedroom, one bath that could be a good starter home or a rental property. And we listed this thing at full market value and had a almost full price cash no contingency offer within three days of going on the market in a market where normal like days on market is like 45 to 80, right? Like this is not historically a super crazy buyer's market um, or seller's market. And uh, man, so, so it's like, I can't really argue with that. It's very hard to say, well, the market's doomed when it, the inventory like that's the problem here is you can't find enough houses and that's you know that's supply and demand that's like the biggest driver of of any like economic cycle right so so that's kind of my my camp right now is like okay well interest rates need to go back up right if interest rates don't go back up i think the economy is eventually going to just then that's going to be a reason that we we see a crash here because the fed doesn't have any other levers to pull other than printing more money which is bad but Uh, As far as like boots on the ground, I feel like my market is extremely healthy right now. As far as market sentiment, I feel the same way. It's just the over looming, like, emotional side of me that's like, everybody else is thinking the same thing I am. So it's probably time to start you know so basically what i'm doing right to to answer the what people actually care about is i'm selling the underperforming assets and that's kind of my my hedge right so i'm selling the the 10 unit that makes good money does okay but is a headache and i'm selling the single family that barely cash flows and i have some equity in it but i'm keeping all the things that cash flow well that aren't a headache that are decent properties at decent locations. And I'm buying everything I can with long-term fixed rate debt, as long as I'm getting it for 60, 70 cents on the dollar off market for current value. So I'm still paying, you know, I'm paying today what I would have been paying three, four years ago on the MLS. So I know, okay, even if we do see a correction, it's not going to be that, it's not going to hit me that hard and I'm making sure it cash flows well. And as long as, as long as I can get those two things, you know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm gonna keep buying stuff as long as I can get a good discount.
0: So if the the market there is got tremendous absorption rates, and you know, uh, as always, supply and demand are the standard kind of key metrics for any market and sub. Yeah. Where are you finding deals that are sixty to seventy percent discount to market?
1: This is where I should hold up a letter, but they're all with my assistant right now, getting <laughs> getting run through the system. Um. We two two main forms, right? One is uh, direct mail, right? So I use uh, ballpoint marketing is kind of my go-to as far as direct mail. They do the like handwritten, you know, machine written, but they look handwritten letters. Uh, had a lot of success with that. And then on the uh, the other side, we just started yesterday with two cold callers that we hired. One is in uh, Egypt, and one is in. Albania and they're both affordable and holy smokes, so far today apparently one of them has gotten six leads which right if I can get six leads at five dollars an hour um, okay let's go right that that'd be the cheapest marketing source I've ever had so I don't know we'll try not to get my hopes up about how good that could be but uh, and we're just going to town with uh, pulling lists of people who have pain points right they have a a lien on their property or the city said you have a code violation or whatever.
0: Yeah, so um, the power ISAs and the VAs and the, all of this kind of next iteration of of real estate outsourcing, we have had tremendous, tremendous success with them. Um, so I think that uh, what you're finding with your, your ISAs or your, your cold callers, you're going to find is is the norm and you're you're going to end up with uh, a, a, the the situation that you're going to have to solve for is how do you manage all of these great leads right <laughs> so it uh we've had tremendous success with it and it it's crazy how in any market regardless of the the metrics uh, there are always deals to be had if you just know where to look you know it's something that people i think lose sight of so quickly. They feel oh the the market is hot already. I I missed the boat on on this one. Nah man, there's deals out there. There's gold. You just got to know where
1: where to look. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And that's exactly what it comes down to is it's it's the mentality and it's just knowing you know what to what to play with. Right. So direct mail has worked very well for us. But I also know that in this market not a whole lot of people are doing texting or cold calling. So I'm going to kind of pivot into that as well just because it's when I start hearing, oh, I keep getting these letters and I think, all right, well, let me try something else and see what happens. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So as the
0: market remains strong down by you, I'm, I'm curious, who's buying all of the housing stock? Are you guys seeing a big influx from, from like center city and from the big cities, people pushing out? Who Who's the
1: base by you? Well, a lot of my buyers are still investors. Um, i don't i I don't think we've seen a huge uptick from bigger cities so much as our base seems to be the the blue collar who couldn't get approved for a mortgage and now that interest rates have you know are lower and and they've gotten some stimulus or whatever if they were smart they've they can afford a down payment and they can afford to get into housing right now uh with the way the rates are um we are i i take that i think we're. I guess what I should say is that we aren't far enough into it to see that there's a trend as far as new buyers, but there's definitely been some growth from out of, out of city, out of state. It's just not like, it's not big enough that you can just be like, Oh yeah, there are people coming from New York, New York. It's more of a, we've had an influx in jobs here. And so they're coming from places, but it's not like any one spot. It's we're not a, we're not like Austin where the entire world is moving to Austin from, you know, San Diego, LA, and uh, whatever, Silicon Valley, but. So, so what influx of jobs, any specific segment? It's just kind of weird stuff, right? So we got an Amazon warehouse, we got a Costco, we've got some, uh, Springfield has decent amount of manufacturing. Um, So like we've got a 3M plant and a uh, Budweiser has a plant here and uh, Bass Pro is headquartered here. O'Reilly's is headquartered here, but it, it's it's mainly more the like manufacturing side and like the warehouse side. That that'll do
0: it, man. You know the the as the the big cities decentralize and and they no longer remain the epicenter for jobs. And a big reason for that is uh, the decentralization of everything, including. Uh, the the warehousing and the manufacturing. We were screaming about this a couple of years ago, you know, get out of the the overly regulated multifamilies up by us, at least, because legislative threats are top of every analysis now. Legislative threats are just brutal for us Um, and shift to to M-Zone. Uh, because the, and we feel that there still is a humongous amount of upside left in that market. Are you guys
1: seeing any regulatory threats by you? No, not really. Uh, I mean, the one thing on like the Airbnb side, they're kind of, they're not strict. They just, they have some rules that don't really make sense here. And they're not driven by like hotels like they are in a lot of big economies so much as driven by uh, like, some, as far as I can tell, some some old neighbor was was complaining to city hall loud enough that they were like, "These are annoying. Let's just kind of limit them." Um, that's probably about it. I mean, really. So Springfield's fairly easy to deal with. The little town where our hotel is. Uh, we're actually uh, waiting to hear back on an offer. If we get an offer approved. We're gonna buy another twenty seven unit apartment in that town that actually shares a fence line with the one we currently own. Uh, if we buy that, we're gonna own hundred and six doors in a town that has thirty two hundred people. so like three percent of the population will be our rentals. Um, cool. yeah, so it's it's interesting. And so we have, you know, in that market, it's like as far as regulatory, it's like, well, we have the police chief's number, the mayor's number, and the city development number. So it's kind of more of a like, you know people call us and say hey would you, you know, it's weird it's a total different dynamic but in springfield they're pretty they're still pretty uh, pretty easy going i mean there's obviously there's rules but they're they're few and far between right we're a an interesting state as far as you know like constitutional carry and and pretty pretty easy going on a lot of life which is nice
0: yeah i, I think the uh, another another overlooked part of the transition here or the decentralization Again, we've been screaming about for a decade. The we saw the first wave of the decentralization, right? We saw um, the coronavirus hit. People broke their habits, right? Sixty some odd days to replace a habit. Another sixty odd, some odd days to put a new habit in. Uh, and people said, "Hey, we could do this, right? We're gonna we're gonna trade in our nine to five and opt for a different life." That was People proactively that uh, for the most part, those were people that were uh, a little bit more financially set, that had the flexibility to make those decisions and take a little bit of that risk. Um, I think what you're going to see next is the companies that have have had enough, you know, and have kind of wised up and and have gotten to a point where, uh, the the regulatory madness and and the the litigious society that we're in up here, um, you're going to find these big corporations start to push back from the table. Right, the the numbers right now, believe it or not, uh, and so few people look at this side of it because it, it's scary. Eight percent, eight percent of workers, office workers, are back in five days a week in Manhattan. Eight percent. Right Yeah. now, when when the big companies are responding to some surveys and, and we're reading these surveys and they're saying things like we haven't quite decided on on when or what the future looks like. And we'll revisit things in Q2 of next year. That's company speak for we're not coming back. Right. Okay. And, and they're going to start to look for those elements that can be contested like force majeure in their lease. And they're going to start breaking leases out and they're going to shrink and they're going to relocate and they're going to be then pulling the workers with them. Right. So the first set was people could do it leaving. I believe this next run is going to be the companies that are now saying, you know what, let's trade in that Fifth Avenue office that's 300,000 square feet that we pay a million dollar a year fine because we're not green compliant and we pay $5 million a year in taxes uh, on, let's go replace that with five offices that are 20,000 square feet. Let's get lean and mean in five of the emerging markets uh, across the country and decentralize at a fraction of what the cost base is today. Uh, so I think that those smaller towns and these secondary markets and even the tertiary markets, there is still a lot of upside because I think that again, simple supply and demand that we talked about earlier, you're going to see those metrics start to to flip and more and more and more people are going to start locating to these these secondary markets.
1: Oh yeah, and then if they can figure out the they crack the code on the remote working thing, right? And they figure out like oh, like I have a buddy. Him and his wife are both high-end, like, accountants, CPAs for a company, uh, and they were making, and I'm going to make all these numbers up because I don't remember. Let's say they were making $120,000 a year in in San Diego, right? So, they're bringing in 240 dollars a year together. Um, They relocated to Florida about a year ago, and their company was like, yeah, hey, we're totally cool with you guys relocating to Florida, but you're going to take a $15,000 a year pay cut right? Because whatever. And cost of living. So the company saves $15,000 a year or 30 because they were paying both of them for them to move. But in Florida, where they moved to that 105 goes a lot farther than the 120 did. And so they're still better off. So it's like, you know, if a company can figure out that piece, right, the geo arbitrage piece, now you got people who are working remote, like they have been for the last two years. It's just, I feel like it's, it's just corporate trying to figure out like, Hey, how do we tell them? Like, you're not going to make as much money, but it's going to be a lot better for you. And B, because, because it will, as long as they move somewhere that makes sense and B, like, it's almost like the, the the Marine Corps side of things where it's like, we we've let them work from home for so long, but we can't just, but, but, but what if we have to call them back into the office? We don't want to let them go everywhere just yet. And it's like, they just need to get past that fear. And once I cut that cord and let 80% of these people work remote and, and be successful, and they can realize like man we can cut our expenses so much. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Why would they would be stupid to work from a $300,000 or 300 square foot or 1,000 square foot, you know, place if they can work from like you know, a 10 or 20,000 square foot place and have people all over the country and pay less for it.
0: Yeah, significantly less on the cost of real estate side, but then again, the regulatory the there it's just it, it's tough up here, man. It's tough to to keep things moving anymore. There's just so many challenges. Much of the legislation, much of the changes are well intended, but um, you know, we've we've long since passed that point where uh, it's just become too heavy, it's just become untenable, and you're you're gonna continue to see. Uh, this mass exodus, I believe, until things stabilize and and they start shifting, because I don't think it's that big of a sell, David. To to you know uh, Joe or Susie, hey, we're gonna we're gonna knock your pay down, you know, by twenty percent, but you get to go live in Jacksonville, and you know the cost of living is significantly better there, and we're gonna pay for you to move, and you only have to be in the office twice a week. You know, I think the I think the population is ready for that.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Especially uh, like the younger population who wants to travel anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. So do you have any straight commercial in your portfolio? Like retail? Or? I had a little bit of retail for a little while. Uh, we did it as a lease option and we ended up ultimately not going through with it, but that was less because of it being the asset that it was and more just because of some things that had not, not been uh, pro formaed accurately. So we got into it and realized this isn't exactly what we thought we were getting into. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed. I've been there's a couple buildings in downtown in my market that I've been trying to buy for a long time, and it just you know sellers are not always as easy to work with as you'd like. So uh, been going back and forth. There's one gentleman I've probably been to his office six or seven times, and we just haven't found a price point that works for both of us but i would love to buy his building so uh trying to buy some more and that that's like a you know commercial retail front with an upstairs loft so i would basically use the loft as my office and then rent the bottom out to uh, in this case hopefully like an ice cream parlor that's coming in (laughs) but yeah great well listen i really appreciate you taking the time today dave what's the best way for people to find you uh, just Google military millionaire. We're we're finally getting to a point where you'll be able to find all my platforms there. We're Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I mean, you name it, we're out there. I uh, really appreciate it. David Perret,
0: everybody. David, thank you so much for the time. Everybody out there, as always, stay safe.